You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 60 of Teach Better Talk. I'm Ray Hewart, and as always, I am with the precious Jeff Vargas. <laughs> precious. So precious. I love, I love it. Where did you get precious from? Well, I got precious from later in our episode when we use that term to describe old man Dan, who's my husband. <laughs> <laughs> old man Dan. Yeah, kudos to Tamara for that one, um, our guest for today's episode. That was a, a good one. I enjoy being called precious, so thank you. That. Well, we figured if we were going to call Dan Hewart precious, then it just made sense to also call you precious because the two of you are inseparable sometimes. Yeah, I want to I want to put it on record right here on the podcast that I I really do think Dan is precious. So, Dan, if you're listening, there you go. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? How's your week? My week's awesome. I'm having a blast. You know what? One of the really cool things about being me is. Is that <laughs> I'm really the one who cool gets to know? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that are cool about being me. One, I get to do podcasts with you, but also one really cool thing is I I'm the one who gets the notifications when someone submits for the conference. Ooh. So I've been getting notifications for a while now, but I've gotten a bunch over the last few days, and there are some killer conference presentations coming in, like some proposals for conferences. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you've looked at some of them, but and we're we're gonna have like a listening and watching party because everybody's making videos for them and stuff. Ah, uh, just I mean, I'm just we're like a long ways away from the conference, but I am so pumped up from some of these uh, proposals that are coming through. It's it's awesome. I mean, there's some really good stuff coming down the line. So well, and they're due very soon. So yeah, we're glad that they're coming in and glad that they're fabulous. But I just can't wait for that final due date so I can start just like sitting with my popcorn and going through all of them. <laughs> and yeah, that's what I wanted to mention that. So I wanted to get, make sure that everyone, if you're listening, that you know that you've got just a little over a week to get these uh, proposals in. They are due on the 26th of April um, at midnight that night. You got to get them in. It's a pretty short little form. I mean, we do ask you to make a video because we want to see you. We want to see how excited you are and sort of just a, but it's only a minute. So it's really quick. It doesn't have to be professional, but um, we've had, we had one where a teacher had the, the kid, his students video on, which I thought oh, was I an awesome that. touch. Um, so like I, it doesn't just get done. It's, it's such, it's a short, easy little thing. We don't ask you to do a ton on it, but we're super excited about it. It's going to be hard, Ray. It's going to be, and we keep pushing it, which is going to make our job harder, but I love it because we have so many awesome things going on. We have some amazing speakers coming out that we haven't even announced yet, which is really cool. Um, and then these these proposals that are coming in, it's just going to be an awesome conference. So super excited about it. And something I want to make sure that ever, all of our listeners know, when we say that the proposal due on April 26th, we're accepting everything and anything. I mean, we are planning on having sessions as short as 15 to 20 minutes long, just talking about something that you're passionate about and something as long as a three-hour workshop and then everything in between. Yeah. So I have a few people who have come to me recently been like, oh, I don't think I'm going to submit. I don't know. There's some big people going to be there. I'm just going to attend. And listen, we want you to attend. Obviously, come, you know, go register and you should be there. But being able to have your voice heard in this conference, I know we've said it before, and Jeff, don't let me talk too long about this, but this entire two-day conference is purposefully designed to be two days. We are going to go on a journey. This is not a conference where you show up at 8 in the morning, kind of sit through some stuff, and then go off on your own and explore the beautiful Akron, Ohio. Okay, We are going to 
truly work together to immerse ourselves in a growth experience. There's networking events before and after literally everything. And I just cannot wait for you to see the featured presentations that we have ready for you. So if you are thinking about, gosh, I'm just not sure what I would present on, just submit a proposal on something that you are so passionate about because that is the topic we need at this conference. Absolutely. And I'm going to I'm going to make sure that we drop a coupon code, a discount code later on in the episode for 50 bucks off if you come for the two days. So yes. we got that as well. Not that you need that as a reason to listen to this episode because this was an awesome episode. We just had a, a lot of fun. This was a really great one. Well, Jeff, it's funny because for episode 60, I was going to ask you if we should do something different. Not that I don't like our format, but you know, episode 60 feels special. I'm like, should we do something a little different for our listeners? And holy cow, was this episode that something different? Even though we didn't change anything, our guest was just superb. Yeah. So Tamara Letter is our is our guest and a lot of experience as an educator, 21 plus years, elementary school teacher, uh, differentiation specialist, and tech uh, integration specialist. Um, has worked in a lot of different roles, a couple of different schools, a couple of different states and cities and stuff, a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, she shares kind of that journey and how she got back to where she is now, which is awesome. Also a, um, well, we're soon to be fellow Dave Burgess author as well with her, with her awesome book. And I think she lays out just I'm, I'm i'm like i'm stuck on trying to like i don't want to say it all because it's just awesome but she laid out some like her positive her, her energy was just ridiculous and i love it it happened right when we got on before we even started recording her energy just the excitement of seeing us on the video was enough to get me super excited for the the um the episode um but she had a she laid out a really cool thing i think of her failure and how she looked at that and how she looks at failure and and some of the things she said um and, and a, the the advice that she gives for new teachers, I thought was just golden. I'm really excited about that. Anything popping out to you, Ray, that just you're super excited for everyone to hear? I just think she's a natural storyteller and yeah. extremely passionate about education, and it comes across so beautifully. So stay tuned for maybe one of our favorite episodes ever. And with that, episode 60 with Tamara Letter starts right now. All right, we are here talking with Tamara Letter, and Tamara, we're super, super excited to chat with you. We're already having a lot of fun before we hit record, um, and laughter is going like crazy, uh, and chatting with Ray's husband, Dan, who's awesome. Um, we'll, we'll say precious. Uh, He's precious. Anyway, He's <laughs> it's precious. precious. So we're having a blast, so we're already, I mean, we were already excited to have you on anyway, but now we're even like more excited, I think, so... Super excited. Really appreciate you taking some time out to, to hang out with us and chat with us and to have some fun with us, obviously. How are you feeling right now? Oh, my graciousness. It is a wonderful day, as is every day. So I'm feeling great. I'm so excited to be on your show and to chat with you. It's like my joy moment of the day. Well, Tamara, we are really, really excited to be diving into all the fun questions we have planned. But I do want to talk about you for a minute and have you introduce yourself. I mean, there's there's so much that you've been able to do, especially recently. So just want to hear all about it. So how do you usually describe yourself? Okay, well, a lot of times when people ask me, what do I do? They're trying to figure out what my job is. Because in Virginia, we have um, this title called ITRT for our job position, which stands for Instructional Technology Resource Teacher. But really, what it comes down to is I support teachers, students, and administrators. So my specific area of expertise is technology integration in the general classroom. 
but I provide instructional support for anyone who wants to collaborate. I lead PD sessions for our district and um, can create learning experiences for anybody that's willing to dive in with me. I love helping others discover their passions and finding ways to bring that into that learning experience. And pretty much if you even have an inkling of wanting to try something new, I'm your girl, we're gonna make it happen. So that's how I describe myself professionally with what I do in my school. I love that. If you, if you have even an inkling of trying something new, I'm mean, a girl, I'm going to make it happen. So you've been, how long have you been in this position? Because you've been, you were a teacher. Were you an elementary teacher prior to this? Yes, I I've, right? um, okay. yeah, I'm, I've been in education for 21 years now. That's what it's I thought been it was. kind okay. of a crazy ride. But um, yeah, I started off um, teaching uh, second grade in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is on the West Coast. I'm from Virginia on the East Coast. So it's kind of a crazy place to start your teaching career. Mm -hmm. um, and then I kind of worked my way back to the East Coast. And I taught a few years in Memphis, Tennessee in third grade and uh, went back, got my master's in um, administration. So I'm actually certified as a principal. Uh, but I just love the kids so much. I just wanted to stay connected with them. So I took a position as a differentiation specialist with a district um, in Stanton, Virginia, and then worked our way back all the way back to our hometown. So I'm nice. actually, I know it's crazy. I, I taught fourth grade in the same classroom that I went attended in fourth grade. <laughs> That's cool. And my, my teachers were my co-workers now, and it was a little, <laughs> it was quite a crazy experience to be back in the same district where I was a student. But now I'm um, in this position, which is um, a little bit of a, a stretch from just a general classroom position. And it's more of an instructional coaching role. And I'm actually assigned to the school that my husband attended as a child. And I added a second school this past year. So it's been a, it's been a fun ride. And I've learned yeah. so many things along the way. Well, that's pretty cool. It's pretty neat that you're back at the school that you attended. That's really cool. It's so uh, fun. We had that, our, our buddy Chad Ostrowski, uh, who, you know, he got to do training. He, he actually did some training a few months back at his old high school. And multiple of his old teachers were in there learning from uh, him, and it was like the it was such a like a surreal like out of body experience for him. Yeah. And stuff. So it's really cool that you're like working your colleagues now, or some of those people that help you become the person that you are today, which is really neat. Hey everyone, we're gonna get right back to the episode. However, I do want to mention that our Teach Better conference is underway, and you can start registering. But I might have a little discount code for you. So as you head over to teachbetterconference.com and sign up for the amazing event that we are having November 8th and 9th, make sure you use podcast talk as your $50 discount code. Now let's get back to the episode. And I love you've been kind of all over the country done a lot of different uh, uh, roles in education you're there. So which leads me into perfect into my my question next, which is about failure, because that's a lot of stuff to do with nothing going wrong at all. <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> and if you've listened to this podcast, you know we love to talk about failure. So let's do that now. Let's talk about a time that you've had a failure. And this could be big, small, whatever. But can you tell us about what happened? How, you know, why was it a failure? And then how did you overcome it? What did you take away from it? I love it. Well, I could, we could have our own podcast on failure alone with all of my failures. We might do that. I think we might oh just, maybe gosh. you and I will just start a podcast. It's just I called think the we Fail should. Podcast. It's, yeah, I think we should because, um, gosh, I mean, I love that mindset of fail forward um, because failure is inevitable. You know, when I first started teaching, 
1997, I didn't realize that that was an option. I mean, I, failure is not an option. I'm going to be the best teacher ever. And, uh, you know, what I discovered over the, the course of time is that failure isn't just an option. It's actually an essential part of the learning process. Um, you plan for a great lesson. It doesn't go well. And bam, there you are back where you started the day before. And, you know, you just have to kind of get to that point where instead of beating yourself up about your failure, you just learn to get back up and figure out how to persevere and analyze what went wrong so it doesn't happen again and, and grow from there. And if I had to think, if I had to think of a recent failure, um, the, <laughs> the one that stands so clearly in my mind was this time last year, um, I was uh, nominated as teacher of the year for my school which was a huge deal for me. Um, prior to that, the closest I'd ever come to Teacher of the Year was a little piece of paper printed on dot matrix paper that said Teacher of the Month um, years ago. But I made it to Teacher of the Year for my school and I was competing for the district level of Teacher of the Year. To and, and this is big stakes for me because this is my hometown. This is where I grew up. I mean, this there's no more coveted prize for me than to get this, this kind of spot and uh, oh gosh, I was so excited to share my passions with the panel and articulate my vision for innovative learning. And you know, I, I made a presentation and and I was a little worried about the Wi-Fi working. So I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should do a PowerPoint instead of Google Slides, so that way I wouldn't have to worry about that. And I knew my presentation inside out. I'd shared it with my principal and a, a couple of close friends. I mean, I was ready. I was pumped. It was going to be amazing. Oh my gosh, so excited. So I left my house super early. I arrived at the school board office more than a half hour early because, you know, I had to make sure everything was perfect. And um, the parking lot was nearly empty and the lobby was empty, but I had, a, what, I had the last interview of the day. So I wasn't really concerned about that. But that was failure number one. I showed up at the wrong location. <laughs> so when I made that eureka moment that I was in the wrong place, panic completely set in and I got back in my car and I raced across town praying that I wouldn't get pulled for speeding and, you know, praying that I wouldn't speed. And I got at the next, the real location right at the time that my interview was about to begin. So I thought, oh my gosh, you know, that was, that was my failure moment. Everything's going to be just fine. Right. Um, take a deep breath. You got this. It's going to be fine. So I mentally regrouped like in the blink of an eye. And um, as soon as I arrived there, they, they let me know that, you know, I could come in and then they made a comment about how they were surprised I got there when I did because someone at the school board office had kindly let them know that I was on my way. <laughs> so there was no way that I could fake myself out of the fact that I went to the wrong <laughs> location. So I had to fess up to that right away. Um, but I still was, you know, I still was like, you know what, it's all good. I mean, at least they know I'm real and I'm being authentic and, you know, and, and I, thank goodness I came early, right? Because now I'm here on time. So I had my flash drive with the PowerPoint on it and they had the laptop up and ready to go. So I put my flash drive in the laptop and I go to the front and they're sitting at this long table, a whole panel of people, all these different stakeholders in our community. And I start going through my slideshow and I'm feeling good. I mean, it's awesome slideshow, you know, and I get to about slide six thinking everything's going great. And the next slide comes up and there's nothing but a red X on the slide. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what is the red X? And it looked like someone had thrown a clip art in my presentation, like a big X. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that? Where did that come from? And so here I am trying to balance professionalism while with my tech brain troubleshooting what went wrong and how it what's happening. It just it was such a cognitive dissonant moment that I couldn't figure it out. 
So that was failure number two. My embedded videos didn't work. And so I kind of muddled through that slide and, and just was like, okay, whatever, I'm just gonna click to the next slide. Well, as I continued through my presentation, it wasn't just one, it wasn't just two, it was like six slides that never loaded correctly and didn't have the content that I needed to share with them. And oh my gosh, I mean, I'm a technology integrator. I'm the first one in my district that ever made it to this finalist round for teacher of the year. And here I am fumbling through one of the most important presentations I might ever make in my career having issue after issue I just wanted to like dissolve <laughs> into the floor <laughs> but you know the emotions in that moment were so overwhelming but I knew I had to push through and I knew I had to end on a positive note and so that's what perseverance is all about you know it's knowing that you did your best to the end no matter what happened along the way and so later that evening when I was reflecting on the disaster that I had obviously caused myself, I suddenly realized the problem. And I had created my slideshow on our new laptop that we had received, which had a newer version of PowerPoint mm. than the one that was on the laptop that they provided for me. And PowerPoint is not backwards compatible. So, you know, it was an honest mistake that anyone could have made, but I'm kind of glad in a really weird way that it happened to me. Because for someone else, that failure might have completely crushed their confidence forever. And for me, it was just more like a smack on my head going, oh, why didn't I anticipate that? Why didn't I think yeah. of it? So, you know, the lesson learned from that is I'm only using my laptop and my software when I have a <laughs> presentation. And, uh, you know, it's a hard lesson to learn and one that's not going to happen again. But I'm so glad I learned it because now when I give keynote presentations or I go into um, doing other different types of speeches and things, like there's no way I'm using your stuff. I got my stuff. I, I've got it ready to go. And, um, and it was a good mistake to make. So failure, obviously, um, failing forward is a good thing to happen. Oh man, I love that story. That's I. I, I love a couple of things that you said. The one is you. It was your emotions were crazy, but you knew you had to push through, and you knew you had to end on a positive note. And then I really love how you said that you're in a weird way glad that it was you, because you're self aware enough to understand that you can take that failure that could have. I mean, really could have like just crushed someone else's confidence. Oh, yeah. But you, you, you know that you're able to flip that into a different a mindset. Someone who who was already very nervous about technology or didn't feel they were good at technology, having that happen, that just like reiterates their fear of not being good at it and could stop them from ever trying anything new. So I love how you spend that, put that spin on there. So All right. I really like that she went to the wrong location. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. Some people I know, no names to be mentioned, that sometimes go to the wrong location, possibly but even the wrong was state. This was a perfect example of a very successful, amazing educator who also made that mistake. It happens to all of us, Jeff. Tamara, just curious, Tamara, did you go to the right district or were you in like another state? <laughs> no, I was absolutely in the right district. And in fact, the, the sad thing is, is I had even emailed them earlier that day and said, I just want to make sure we're all set for today. And <laughs> it never occurred to me to verify that, that we were at the school board office or at a school. And um, yeah, no, but it wasn't within my own district. It was about 20 minutes away. But again, it, 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 was, in the, it was in the right state. I want to confirm that it was in the right state. It was in the right state. So yes. that's, that's one point for Tamra and negative six for Ray. 
Okay, for anybody listening, in case they were wondering, St. Charles, Illinois is exactly seven hours and 20 minutes from St. Charles, Missouri, in case anyone wanted to know that. No. How do you know that, Ray? That's weird knowledge to know. Well, it was from experience, and I really enjoyed the drive at 4 a.m. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, that my was, goodness. That was um, before Michelle, though, right? Before we had Michelle in our lives. It was distract- before I joined yeah. the better team, and that's yeah. why I joined, so that Jeff could tell me what state I should be working in. So now we have our amazing teammate, Michelle Brecken, who most people don't get to know because she's behind the scenes, but Michelle just points and tells us all where to go, and we go, and we trust anything she says, so... Uh, now Ray doesn't go to the wrong states. <laughs> I think you only make that mistake once. Oh, I do. hope so. <laughs> I hope so. We're going to find out soon. Uh, anyway, so, oh man, that was great. I'm so glad that went there. Uh, let's <laughs> let's flip it now. Let's let's talk about a successful moment. This can be something big or something small, but tell us what happened. Why was it a success for you? And then what did you take away from that? Okay, well... Just as many failures that I've had in my instructional career, uh, I've had lots of successes. I mean, it's it's all in how you look at things and, and whether you view them as successes or failures, I believe. But mm-hmm. one of my greatest successes probably is recently integrating kindness into my collaborative lessons with teachers. Um, in my role, I don't have students. Uh, I am a support person for teachers and for whatever their needs may be with technology integration. And so... For me to be able to bring my passions into the classroom is a little trickier because I don't have a set class to work with every day. My schedule is very flexible and it shifts and changes based on needs of my teachers. Um, So it was a little difficult for me for a while to kind of break that barrier of figuring out how can I connect this concept and this passion I have for kindness with technology, but also being mindful of state mandated curriculum that has to be taught and the the pressures that come with that. So I just had to get to the point where I stepped outside of my comfort zone and I started creating and aligning specific kindness themed technology enhanced lessons, but aligning it with language arts skills. So that way, when I would pitch it to the teachers, I could say, well, I have a language arts lesson that it uses technology, but also embeds kindness. So language art was, you know, the, the content was really driving that pitch for, for doing these types of lessons. And, um, and by doing that, I was able to collaborate with several teachers um, on kindness lessons, even getting to the point where uh, another teacher, Lori Cross, and I sat down and wrote a grant to get some money to um, fund a year-long kindness initiative for her classroom. And, um, and in 2000, 2016, um, we received an HEF grant, Hanover Education Foundation, um, that allowed us to buy kindness books and basic supplies like construction paper and markers and things like that. But what made this kindness grant so incredible is that we wanted to give our students the opportunity to realize the power they had to be kindness cultivators in their local community. And so a big part of this grant was to provide our students the opportunity to do kindness passion projects. And that meant giving every single student in the class a $10 bill and telling them to go change the world. And for students at my school, we're a Title I school, And many of our students had never even held a $10 bill, much less been given the power to do anything at all they wanted with this money. 
And um, they had to custom design their kindness passion project. They had to research materials and costs. They had to figure out who who's going to be my recipient. Who am I doing this for? You know, um, how am I going to make this project happen? What what are the what's the support that I'm going to need from my mom and my dad? And what stores am I going to have to go to? And how am I going to get from here to there to put this project all together? And um, and it, it turned into this this incredible learning experience for our students that actually embedded many skills in other content areas like math and science as well. And um, the students, they created a Google Slides uh, slide deck. They kind of followed a almost like a scientific experiment. Like they had to detail their purpose and their materials and procedure, results, reflections, all of that, something like you might see at a science fair. And, um, and so we kind of took the play on the science fair and we made a kindness share fair where after they had completed their acts of kindness, whatever they chose to do, and they had created their presentation, we then invited um, the community, their parents, grandparents, stakeholders, district personnel, pretty much anybody off the street that would be remotely interested in looking at a kid's project. We let them come in and, uh, and it was so empowering for the kids because they got to present to an authentic audience. And they got to see that their voice matters and that they can inspire people, even though they're only 10. I mean, it was just such such a neat experience from start to finish with them. Um, it taught our students autonomy. Uh, they, they strengthened collaboration and communication skills. But the best part was it just reinforced the need that we have to work together to make this world a better place through kindness. And, you know, they enhanced their oral and written communication skills for that required language arts curriculum. But the takeaways that they had and their reflections and the realization that their words and their actions can have this like powerful ripple effect on others, that alone was priceless. I love that story. I love that project. Ray, I thought I was just screaming to each further with the whole taking it back out in the community and bringing the community in. I was loving it. Well, right. I mean, that I mean that whole, how do we scale that? I mean, that seems to be like my mission in life. How can we take that incredible opportunity and then scale that so it's not just accessible once a year or in that, you know, small capsule of time, but ensure that this is really how our students are beginning to learn because they're mastering content even at a young age. And how important is that then for them to relate it to the real world and give back their knowledge to their community? I mean, it creates an amazing circular effect. Oh, absolutely. And, and it actually, I mean, when we created the project, we weren't at the time thinking about scalability because we were just wanting to do a kindness initiative within her own classroom. But now that the project was so successful, uh, we have started to scale it. I mean, it's been slow because, again, when we've been doing this, we've wanted to take the time to make sure that um, it's not just about the project, but the whole learning experience throughout the year. Because our students develop their knowledge about empathy and compassion and how those words are different how they apply to them, how they're relative to um, different challenges we might face in our community and even outside of our community. And, you know, it takes a little bit of planning to make that happen. And sometimes you end up completely ditching your plans for things that happen. Like uh, last year, 
I'm trying to remember now. Uh, one of my friends, Barbara Gruner, who is also an author of a kindness book, um, where she had showed us this video on Twitter about a student of hers <clears throat> named Jetstream Jacks. They had just gone through Hurricane Harvey and uh, the mass devastation of flooding in their local area. And her student took it upon himself to make this green screen video because he wants to be a weather forecaster one day and was showing the world what his community looked like following this, this just absolute devastation. And that's really what kicked off our kindness lessons last year. We ditched our plans we had and we pulled up in this video and we said, how do we help him? And he was just collecting coins to rebuild his playground. And so we decided that, yeah, we need to help him. And, and that really cemented for us how to be empathetic and compassionate for people in other areas, because we've had hurricanes come through. We had a little bit of relative understanding of what that could be like, but we hadn't lost our homes because of it. We haven't lost our playground. So it, it gave our students the opportunity to kind of stretch their thinking. And so anytime that we hear of things that happen, whether it's the, you know, the tragedy at Sandy Hook last year or the fires that happened in California, you know, we, we try to find age appropriate ways <clears throat> to weave that into our lessons and tie that into our content. So that alone has scalability within any grade, within any content, within um, you know any curricular focus. The actual kindness, passion projects, you can do them without money. You can do free projects for people and have that whole experience of giving out. You know, what is a kind act that you did? I mean, I wrote, I wrote practically a, a whole book <laughs> about free kind things you could do for people. I had a blog that I wrote 40 acts of kindness I did that, you know, most of them didn't cost me any money. So you, you can do it without funding, but having money um, allocated for the projects kind of kicks it up another level because there's this accountability to be good stewards of money and you can tie in the economic aspect of it, which I think is also a valuable skill for especially students today to master and to know how to do that wisely. You know, there's a common phrase we've been joking about on the Teach Better team that um, fluff ain't enough, right? And this <laughs> is this is very similar. You know, you're not just giving us the fun project. It's not enough. You can't just talk about content. That's not enough. You can't just talk about the why in isolation. That's not enough. But you need to be able to put these elements together and bring in the community to really ensure that your students are getting the entire well, like well-rounded experience of not only how the content can continue to be rigorous and tied to standards and scaffolded the right way, but then also utilized utilizing that content to then really impact a greater cause, which is showing our leadership skills with our students being able to master content. I just, I'm so passionate about this. I love that this has been your focus. Um, obviously, we do it a lot. The, the element I love with the Teach Further model is that we um, embed purposefully those community sponsors. So teachers are constantly pairing up with community members to be able to create these opportunities for students. And you're right that that accountability is incredible, not only for the teacher, but for the student and for then the impact in our community. So uh, I couldn't be more in love with this idea. <laughs> and I would love for you to continue to run with it because my next question focused on getting excited. I wanted you to know what's getting you excited about education right now. So maybe it's a, something else, but this was an incredible opportunity to then add to that. 
Um, how are you fueling your fire these days? Well, you know, I've been in education for two decades. And sometimes when I look back on that, I'm like, wait, how did that just happen? I feel like I've just been in the classroom for five years. You know, it's gone by so fast. But over when you cross the decade mark, and then you keep trucking along, the pendulum of education swings, and suddenly you realize, wait a minute, this is nothing like it was when I first started teaching, right? And so the pendulum will swing from one side to the other. And when I started teaching in 97, and even when I had my undergraduate work, thematic units and creative experiences and, and joining everything all together, that was all the rage back then. And that's what I was truly trained to do with my college education. And then as the years progressed with the pendulum shifted and we came a bit more standardized with our approaches and customer, you know, it just, we kind of lost a little bit of that joy and that fun and excitement. And so it's been so much fun to be able to see that shifting in education, kind of returning back to these core mindsets of the whole child and constructivism and how do we work with, you know, getting every aspect of a child to learn and grow, not just the academic side of them. So for me, um, like Dave Burgess's inspiration in Teach Like a Pirate set me on fire. Like that rejuvenated every ounce of my will and desire to be an exceptional educator because it was the the permission slip that I needed to go back to being the teacher I really am inside. Um, you know, it, it, it just empowered me that I didn't just have permission, but I had a duty to do whatever it took <laughs> to make the learning the most incredible experience ever for students. And so when I look at teaching from that view, that it's my duty to do absolutely everything to make this the most incredible experience ever. Oh my graciousness, that just sets my soul on fire, you know? And so it's so great that we're in a time now where we have social media and we can wrap ourselves around other people who are just as passionately excited about amazing learning experience. And we can use them to kind of lift us up and help us grow and, and continue with that energy and that excitement. And every single year, even if you've been teaching for 21 years, every single year, you just keep getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And, and that's just what keeps you going. It's awesome. I couldn't agree more. And with all the coaching you're doing, I know that you have a great answer for this next one. And it has to do with coaching, but really, especially those progressive educators, those new teachers, those, those teachers who are eager to, to make this shift along with you and really change education. And I want to know what advice those educators might need. So if I had to give them advice, it would probably be reflecting on what my expectations were as a new teacher. Um, you know, I, I think I would just tell them, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to see these amazing educators out there and you're going to emulate them and you're going to try everything you can to be like them. But at some point in that journey, no matter how hard you try, you're going to slip and fall. You know, you're going to encounter failure. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to walk away feeling like, you know, you don't know what happened, but you can't go back, whatever. I think those new teachers, like you have to just give yourself some grace and you have to realize that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Surround yourself with the people that are going to give you that positivity and that encouragement. And on those days when things go wrong, because they will, 
you're going to need some empathy <laughs> from other people. <laughs> so just take a deep breath to try again. Um, so, so in addition to not being perfect and setting yourself up for that unrealistic expectation of perfection every day, it's just as important that you selectively choose who's going to be part of that tribe of yours, that crew of people. Because if you join in with people in your school culture, in your district's culture, who tend to be a bit more on the negative side, they will pull you down. There's no exception to it. They will pull you down. So you don't want to be surrounding yourself with people that are going to blame others or, or you know, gossip or make situations worse. You really have to take a stand early on to surround yourself with people that are going to uplift you and be there for you when you need it most on those days that you're not perfect. That is all awesome advice. I love the the last piece of that about surrounding yourself with the right people. I, I can't remember what the stat is, but there's some statistic in psychology that says that it's like 75 or 80 percent of you is made up of the people you surround yourself with. Mm, I believe it. If I you think, think about that and think about who you're surrounding yourself with, I mean, you can solve a lot of problems simply by cutting some things out. <laughs> uh, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to cut that person completely out, but you yeah. can limit limit the amount of time that you're given to them and get more positivity in your life and in your ears and stuff. So anyway, that's awesome. I love it. So this has just been an amazing episode. So I really hope you don't mess it up here. Okay, I'm going to try really so hard, but we know <laughs> failure is an opportunity to learn. So if Ooh, I should fail, I I'm going to be okay. Yes, yeah, so we're going to we're going to either nail this or we're going to learn. Either right. way, it's going to be good. So we're going to do the next six <laughs> questions in 15 seconds or less. Okay, let's go. All right. What is one ed tech tool you cannot live without? Google. I use it for everything. What like is Google a? a <laughs> what Sorry, is a book? I already messed it up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what is one book you're reading right now? Oh, okay. I just finished reading The Power of Moments by Chip Heath and Dan Heath, and now I'm mm. reading They Call Me Mr. D, which is oh, oh my gosh, so that's intense. A great book. I'm almost done with it. Oh, oh it's, it's so yeah. good. Shelly sent over a, one of the pre-copies and I was like so just humbled by the fact that I got to read it. It's such a good story. I remember those days. Anyway, I'm ruining it now. Um, <laughs> who do we need to follow on Twitter today? Okay, that's not fair. 15 seconds is not enough time. Give, just give for me, this give me. <gasps> all right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really challenge you here. Give me three. Oh my gosh. Well, Dave and Shelly Burgess. We'll call that as one. Danny Steele. Okay. And then I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Laurie McIntosh. Nice. Love it. So what's a, what's, what's a great YouTube channel for educators or, oh or website? All right. So I'll be honest with you. I'm not on YouTube all that much, um, but I love cult of pedagogy. Mm, like that's yeah. my favorite. Jennifer's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and if you had to go website, I would say the random acts of kindness foundation, because they have mm. just a plethora of free resources to do anything with kindness. Love it. A twofer. Uh, give us a daily, weekly or monthly routine. Every teacher should get into. You've got to plan for your self-care. You've got to make time for your passions, no matter what they are. You've got to put it on your to-do list, make it a priority, so that way it actually gets done. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Be strong and courageous. Because if you can just embody that, you can do anything. Ding, 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 ding. She wins. <laughs> winner, winner. Winner, take winner. I'm so glad to take that trophy away from Joe. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Joe. Raise out to get him because we had a little bit of fun. They made fun of me. I'm, a, I'm so glad. Yeah, We're taking it, it back. 
That was one of my favorite episodes to edit. I'm not going to lie. I was laughing because we were making fun of Ray so much. So, But Tamara, you did awesome. <laughs> you did. That was great stuff. Well, thanks. That was tons of fun. Well, I have about the last and most important question for you. There's been so much value in this episode talking to you. I mean, your your passion, your energy is infectious. I love being able to not only connect with you here, but continue to be connected with you on a lot of other platforms. So would you mind sharing with our listeners how they can further connect with you to make sure that this energy continues in their life? Absolutely. Well, you can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Tamara Letter, easy enough. Um, I have a website that's tamraletter.com. That's pretty easy. If you're really into kindness, I have a Passion for Kindness group on Facebook that you could just go in the search Passion for Kindness and join that group. And we just post little kind things we see and just, you know, make ourselves happy by being surrounded by kind people. And I just recently published a book with Dave Burgess Consulting called A Passion for Kindness, Making the World a Better Place to Lead, Love, and Learn. And if you wanted information about that, or if you even wanted to just read the first couple of chapters for free, they allow you to do that on their website. And that website link is a bit.ly, it's a B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash and then it's capital D, capital B, capital C for DBC, and then lowercase kindness all smushed together. And then you can always go Twitter and just look for the hashtag passion for kindness because I'm always there. That's awesome. And you know you can find all the links and resources and everything we've mentioned in this episode over at teachbetter.com as well as all those important links for connecting with Tamara. Uh, so make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all that. We'll have a link to the hashtag, to, to the first chapters of the book, to everywhere every which way you can connect with her there so be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and if you can give us a rating and review we'd really really appreciate that as well and please let's take it one step further think of just three i'm only asking for three three colleagues who you know that need to hear these amazing stories and share this podcast with them and mean the world to us so tamra seriously this was a, an awesome episode really appreciate you coming on and taking some time and hanging out with us i, I wanted to throw this out i haven't even i haven't even asked ray about this but I, I think it'd be awesome to bring you back sometime later and do like a, a passion to kindness like episode where we just talk about all the awesome things that you share in your book. Love can we it. Do that sometime. Is that cool, Ray? Can we do that? Am I can going we like? Please do that. I, oh, think I would we should, love it. Oh my god. Like gosh. where we can just go through and like we'll just like we'll talk through like the different things that you go through and the different ideas and we'll just like it'll just be like the most passionate kindness kind episode ever. I think it'd be awesome. You know Can what? That, that would be such a great act of kindness for you to offer mm. me that opportunity. So Boom, yeah, look at that. In. I love it. Let's do that. We're <laughs> going to make that happen. We're going to figure that out when we get off here and do that. But seriously, for, well, no, that's seriously too. I just say that. But So I am serious about that. But also seriously, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on and hanging out with us and having some fun with us. We really appreciate it a lot. Well, thank you guys. This was awesome. And I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you this evening. Fantastic. Until next time, let's get out there and let's teach better. 